So you achieve your goals, you make your mark, maybe in your career or a sport, a community, but you're still young. What's next? What's now? My guest today will tell you there is so much good stuff to come. I'm Callie Youngstrom, and this is Keep Yourself Well. My guest today is something of a phenom in Saskatchewan. Michael Linklater started playing basketball at 12 years old and finished his athletic career as one of the top-ranked three-on-three basketball players in all of the Americas. In 2010, he led the University of Saskatchewan Huskies basketball team to their first CIS national championship. In 2017, he played with Team Saskatoon in the International Basketball Federation's three-on-three World Tour Final. They were the only non-European team in the tournament, and Michael was a member of the Saskatchewan Rattlers squad that won the Pro-Canadian Elite Basketball League Championship in 2019. What a resume, but that's not all. It's not just his athletic accomplishments that make him so impressive. He's committed to being a positive role model. As a Cree man from Thunderchild First Nation, Michael was bullied as a child for his braids. So when his son suffered the same racism, he started an international movement called Boys with Braids to encourage Indigenous youth to continue growing their hair and to educate people about the cultural significance of long hair for Indigenous men. He's now a co-founder of a new business Business, working to come up with the strategies to bridge Indigenous and non-Indigenous approaches for business. If it seems like I'm gushing, I kind of am. He is such an inspiring human, but I'll let you see that for yourself. Let's get into it. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Okay, so always to kick off the podcast, we start with the loaded question of how do you, Michael, keep yourself well? There's there's a lot of ways that I keep myself. So last year um, has been what I've incorporated into my daily life has been uh, cold showers every single morning. Uh, So since January 1st, every single day I have had a cold shower. Uh, in full transparency, I've only missed two days. And that was only because I thought I was going to be taking an ice bath later in the day. Um, but of course, all of the benefits and research, uh, you know, with with those fines, it's something that I've, um, there, there's a lot to it. And, and maybe we'll dive into that a little bit uh, deeper in a moment. But um, for almost a full year now, every single day, a bit of a disclaimer to that is, you know, my last year of playing um uh, university sports. I used to ice bath every day as a uh, a maintenance thing for keeping my body uh, in tune. Uh, but outside of that, um, something that the knowledge keepers have shared with me growing up in my spirituality has been the this is the importance of of gratitude. Each and every day when I wake up before my feet touch the ground, I give thanks for the beautiful day that has been gifted to me. And it's just a teaching that we've had since time immemorial. And so for that to continue on and outside of that, the importance of physical activity is something that I incorporate into my life uh, weekly. Sometimes I allow that actually, believe it or not, to be the the biggest slip is where there will be some days I I allow that to fall off. And then checking in with myself on, on not only on the spiritual side and attending ceremonies, but on the the mental side in 
you know, whenever I need time to meet with either uh, knowledge keepers or, um, you know, practitioners, uh, my psychologist or anyone else that can help me better understand myself. I appreciate So kind of a mouthful, yeah. but that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the holistic approach that you know I that, take to my. That's why I love this question because everyone's approach is so personal and so varied. And so you're filling all these various cups from the physical to the mental, to the spiritual, and everyone always brings something new to the table in answering that. Cause I think you're the first person to say that cold showers are actively a part of your wellness approach, although we've talked about cold showers many times. So I love that you're implementing that. And so obviously that was originally for more of the physical recovery, but I know there's a ton of mental benefit, especially with vagal nerve stimulation. Are you finding that the mental benefit is a big part of that for your daily routine? Huge. One of the biggest finds um, that I've uncovered doing this now is is the is the mental side it's they're they're not fun it's not something we're like oh i get to go sit in a hot tub and relax (laughs) it's it's a cold shower it's it's cold um so what i found on the mental side of it is that i wake up and i tell myself i don't want to do this but i'm doing it while i'm walking into the shower and turning it on i tell my i just acknowledge i acknowledge what i'm feeling at that moment and it's like Today, I don't feel like doing this, but, and I continue on the conversation. I said, but this is a non-negotiable. I've already decided that it's being done. So we all have that negative self-talk. We have doubts. And so there's opportunities where we let things sit for long enough where we can talk ourselves out of it. This is something that hasn't been incorporated into my life that is trickled over into other aspects where there's non-negotiables where I'm like, I'm doing this. It's I'm, I'm not talking myself out of it. So that was one of the biggest mental aspects, but also too, like I'm, I'm ADHD. So, you know, the boost in dopamine for me is something that's really important because, you know, for, I'm sure a lot of your viewers know, but you know, ADHD, we, we lack dopamine, so we don't create dopamine naturally. So we have to figure out ways to create it for ourselves that was one of the things and I think something I've heard don't quote me on this but you know it's like a 200% boost in dopamine when you do these cold showers and um, for me it's it's been beneficial and I actually enjoy it and I get into it and I'm like I don't want to do this I'm in there for my time and I get out and I'm like I'm glad I did it it's something that I found once you practice it enough, you start craving it. And it's an interesting because you're, it's uncomfortable and part of you doesn't want to, but it feels so good afterwards. What is the time frame that you aim for? Do you set a timer? Do you go for five minutes? What's your approach? No, for me, it's just something I give myself the grace and I just do it. Um, um, make sure it's done every day. There's times where I wake up and my house is freezing. So I'm already cold and I jump in and I'm not in there as long, but you know, and I, in that same sentiment, I would like to share that for people who are starting out on their wellness journey in terms of increasing their physical activity, biggest thing is just developing the consistency and the habit. So if you do, if you don't feel like working out, for example, one day and you're just getting started for the first time ever working out, when you find that time, 
just do it for five minutes, 15 minutes. So it's done. And then once it's done, you didn't, you didn't miss it that day. So just, and that's how you can kind of build those habits. So for me, I don't necessarily have a specific time aiming for that three to five minute uh, mark. Sometimes it's less, um, rarely is it more just because of my schedule where I put that into my life. That's brilliant advice. I always say like greasing the groove of the habit and routine is often more important than the length of the practice of routine, just having that daily repetition. And you mentioned obviously like the transition out of, you know, being an athlete in the day to day, how you have been for the majority of your life. And I know so many athletes have a difficult time mentally and physically transitioning out of being a competitive athlete. So I'd love to know what that experience has been like for you. Obviously you're still very involved in basketball, but not on the court in the way that you have been as much in the past. One thing for me is that I have always been um, active in, in my community and doing things outside of playing sports. So I know that there's a lot of athletes who just dedicate their lives solely to their discipline in whatever sport that is. And they don't have an identity outside of that. And I've found that some of those athletes are the ones that struggle the most when it comes to um, retiring and moving on from that. Um, for me, I didn't realize the impact that physical activity had on my mental health until I retired and just kind of took a break and just stopped playing altogether because my body needed it. Um, but also to my mind, I was just no longer had any aspirations to continue playing. So just allowing myself the grace to really not do anything, but I didn't realize how much it affected my mental health. And that was probably one of the biggest struggles, but also at the same time, it was the biggest realization that I had is that I needed to continue staying active for the rest of my life for mental health benefits, aside from all of the other benefits. But when I stopped playing, my mental health took a plunge and it was, um, it was something that un until, well, the oldest saying in the book, you don't know what you got until it's gone. And so for me, not having sport or not having that physical activity, I realized how much it was actually benefiting me throughout my entire life. Wow. That's a big perspective shift. Well, in an interesting way to come at it, where I think a lot of people actively are working to implement physical activity because they know they need it for their mental health. You kind of had it running in the background all the time, not realizing what a preventative therapeutic effect it was having on you. So how did you end up in basketball to begin with? What drew you to the sport of basketball? Obviously, you're a very athletic person. I'm sure you would have excelled at many sports. So how did you fall in love with basketball? It's interesting you, that you say I'm very athletic. I, I tend to disagree with that. <laughs> that I've, I've run into athletes who are very gifted athletically, where they haven't, and this isn't to discredit them, but just naturally they are gifted. They haven't put the amount of work in to be able to jump as high as they do. Um, for me, I like to really be honest and say that I've had to work for every little ounce of athleticism that I do have. Um, I'm sure there's some coordination that has come naturally, but in terms of the athleticism, I remember taking jump programs, putting in extra time in the weight room, running on my own, like doing all of that stuff to become an athlete. 
Um, so I wouldn't say that anything was gifted to me per se, um, aside from the, the ADHD component where I just needed to always be moving. So I really enjoyed that. Um, but outside of that, um, just looking at kind of my, my career in, in basketball, it all started from a brand new court being built in my community. And I came outside for recess one day and there was a court that was built. I had never played, but the atmosphere that surrounded the court was all of the kids outside um, basically created our own stadium and we got to watch some older kids play. And from that moment on, I said it was something that I wanted to do. And so when I started playing, I, I hadn't stopped. Incredible. Well, and that is a perfect caveat or intro into there's a new court in Saskatoon. And I'm sure that is going to be fundamental to that experience being passed on to a lot of youth in Saskatoon having access. So I'd love, you know, much more about that than I do. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the new courts in Saskatoon. Yeah. So once my career was done, I was thinking about what have been, you know, some of the milestones in my career that continued to push me forward or that had inspired me and how I got my start, as I just mentioned, was a new court being built. So as a kid growing up in Saskatoon, I always wondered why we didn't have a really nice outdoor basketball court. And once I was done looking back on life, I said that needed to happen. So being able to put more time and attention and effort towards making that a reality. Uh, we approached the city, asked them for, for some land, told them the idea, and we wanted to create infrastructure for them. We had the location set out, which is for anybody who knows Saskatoon, it's uh, kind of like phase two of River Landing area. And it was a perfect location. And that was what we were dead set on. And we ended up getting the location and we're grateful to Canadian Tire Jumpstart Charities that came on board and funded it. And so this court has nine hoops. There's two, there's one FIBA full, full court regulation. And there's two kind of like half courts. And then there's a number of side baskets. So you can have um, some pickup games going on at the same time. You can have kids and families still being able to have a hoop to shoot around. So coming full circle, it was something that I really wanted. And, um, uh, Two, two friends of mine, uh, Michael Donauer and Marcus Story, jumped on board to help see this come to fruition. Amazing. Congratulations. I haven't gotten the chance to see it in person yet, but I was running past it on a weekly basis as it was coming. So every week during the summer, I was seeing the progress and um, I saw photos online. It looks beautiful. And I know the community is so excited about it. And um, I'm working on my master's in public health. And we talk so much about preventative aspects within communities that can be so fundamental to physical and mental health, which, as you know, as much as anyone are intertwined and not to be divided. And I think when it comes to youth, especially athletics and sport and having infrastructure like that is so fundamental to supporting physical and mental health. So kudos to you. And you brought up a really great point that I think is often missed when we talk about athletes retiring from sport and your entire identity is in a sport and you're not working to invest in things like building community and other passions, it can be so difficult to transition out of sport, which is already going to be difficult. So having that community aspect and still being involved in basketball in these various ways, I can imagine has been really a positive experience for you as well in, you know, traditional retirement. 
No, it's it's interesting because it, that's that um, identity piece, um, you know, moves across different um, intersections with regards to personalities um, and and people. I was having a conversation with a friend who is going to become a, or is an empty nester, and I was talking about it because I have four children of my own. Um, in February, I will have four teenagers. So my baby will be 13. Um, so I was talking about it with a friend and I was like, well, in six years, like technically I could be an And they brought it to my attention. They're like, well, don't be in a rush because when they're gone, you're definitely going to miss them. But the, the mom brought it to my attention. She's like, my whole identity has been a mother. And now that my kids have moved out, what am I going to do? So outside of boarding world, you know, when we've kind of dedicated our whole lives or a large portion of our lives to a specific identity, and then there's a change, it can become in a way of a, a bit of a crisis. So, you know, having those, those different avenues throughout your identity can prepare you better for when it comes time for that uh, lifestyle change. Absolutely. Well, and luckily you were able to retire on your own terms. Often it's an injury or something, you know, out of one's control where you don't know when that retirement is going to come. And I work with so many mothers and the coaching that I do. And we talk about that all the time. You know, what can you do for yourself to build an identity that is outside of motherhood? And I love that you bring that up because I think, you know, for parents in general, you know, mothers and fathers, regardless, there's pressure for your whole life to revolve around kids and not necessarily give yourself the opportunity to have those other pieces of identity, which I believe creates, you know, a great role model in parents. Kids want to see their parents doing things other than just being a parent. Embrace the crisp vibes of the season with Sweet and Sprouted as the weather cools down and the leaves turn vibrant shades and the snow starts to fly, maybe a little too early. It's the perfect time to nourish your body and soul with their delectable treats. Step into a world of guilt-free indulgence. Their storefront is overflowing with sugar-free goodies that will make your taste buds dance with delight. Dive into decadent desserts crafted without added sugar, allowing you to savor the sweetness while staying true to your low-carb and keto goals. With the cooler days ahead, your eating habits may change and your cravings may change. But luckily, so do the offerings of Sweet and Sprouted's curated selection of snack seasonings, fresh goodies, and bevies to keep you fueled and energized throughout your busy days. Head over to sweetandsprouted.com and enter promo code WELLNESS10 to replenish your stock. Try some new fall goodies, all with an inclusive 10% discount on your order. Use promo code WELLNESS10 and let the magic begin. Your Cree culture, I'm sure, has obviously been a, a large part of your varied identity as well. And I'd love for you to speak to us a little bit about that, your personal experience and your experience as an Indigenous man growing up in athletics, which, you know, is not always, uh, you're one of the only on the court often. Yeah. So I was raised by my grandparents and they knew, they understood the importance of passing on our, our tradition, our culture, our spirituality, which they've always referred to it as an inherent right. And for us to be able to practice that and me to be so fortunate to have that in the household since I was a child, 
was something that gave me a, a strong foundation when I moved into the, the non-Indigenous world, when I was playing mainstream sports and hearing the stereotypes and dealing with the racism. It gave me um, empathy and it gave me understanding that a lot of the people who were making the derogatory remarks and the racial and prejudice remarks towards me, I understood that they just didn't know our culture. And if people took the time to actually understand and, and recognize our culture, our worldview, our way of life, then they would realize how beautiful of a people we really are. And for a lot of the belief systems that we have, it has a lot to do with um, holistic approach and how everything is interconnected and how we have to look out for one another. And it's embedded in a lot of our ceremonies as well. And when I've like being so fortunate to have grown up with a lot of that, it was something that I was able to incorporate into my personal professional life moving beyond sport. That's amazing. And I hope, I mean, you are obviously very empathetic in how you approach it. And I think a lot of people when, you know, met with racism would respond in a much different way. So for you to have the kindness and openness to communicate it in that way, I think says a lot about you and the culture. And I am constantly wanting to learn, you know, more being a non-Indigenous person, but having these conversations. So I appreciate any opportunity, especially when, you know, it's around me in Saskatoon and in such a big way in our community. And I'm very curious too. We talk a lot about, you know, wellness on the podcast, spiritual and otherwise and alcohol. And I heard that you have never experienced alcohol. If Is that true? And I would love to know what your decision behind that was. And I commend you because I just think that's incredible. Yeah, thank you. So uh, my mother, my biological mother uh, to this day still struggles with alcoholism. And I lost both my grandparents to alcoholism. And what is factual is that our people have struggled with um, alcoholism since the day it's come to this continent. And there's actually research and things out there that show that, um, you know, genetically, our we don't um, we don't process alcohol as well as Europeans because it's been in their culture and their genetics for much longer than ours. So we'll mix that in there with the the trauma that we've faced. Um, it's really um, a, a mix, you know, for for something really negative to come out of it. So growing up, seeing a lot of my family struggle uh, with addictions and understanding that I wanted to go somewhere um, and, and do something with my life and seeing where my 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 family struggled in that. I made the correlation between alcoholism, um, addictions with regards to drugs, and realized that it was something that I needed to abstain from. And growing up in Saskatoon, I heard uh, on a regular that all Indians are drunks and that Indians won't amount to anything. And these were things as a kid I couldn't defend because I didn't know anybody uh, indigenous or non-indigenous that had never drank before. So what I wanted to do, and this may sound cheesy, but it's it's the it's the truth, is that I wanted to be able to defend against those words. And I wanted other people to defend against those words and my own children. 
Uh, so having the foresight at a young age to be able to see one that I needed to abstain from that if I wanted to make it far. Um, and two, for, to have other kids uh, growing up, to have somebody that they could point to to say, you know what, that's not true if they ever heard those same words I heard. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm 41. Not once have I ever tasted a drop of alcohol or experimented with any type of drug. Yeah, that's amazing. An incredible role model. And I mean, I commend you because I think the culture of alcohol for youth in Saskatchewan is very prevalent. And I could also imagine there being a place where to fit in, you would feel even more peer pressure to consume alcohol, right? Especially if you're already being ostracized in certain ways. So to have that foresight to say, no, I'm going to be a role model. I mean, what a weight to have on your shoulders as a youth and a young man. And I think that's incredible. And what a great role model for your kids as well as others. Um, and how else do you model wellness? And how are you raising your children, if you're willing to share, you know, in the world of having had a professional athlete as a father, I think that's an interesting conversation to have and passing down your culture to your kids now as well. Yeah. So I give me just backing up a bit with respect to a role model. I didn't grow up saying that I wanted to be a role model. I just wanted to be kind of a beacon of, of light for um, the next generation. And I never viewed it as being a role model. I just wanted them to be able to point to somebody and say, this person doesn't. And actually what I found throughout my travels is that um, there's so many Indigenous people that have never drank before. And what I've recently heard um, is that Indigenous people are actually one of the most sober demographics um, across Canada. Uh, because of the understanding of the intergenerational impacts and and addictions that our people have faced, uh, there are more sober Indigenous people than there are um, other demographics. That is what I've heard. Now, I don't have research and stuff to back up on that, but it was something that um, I found throughout my own experience that is uh, true. I, I meet so many people that don't drink uh, because they understand and and revitalizing their culture, it was something that was never a part of us or our way of life. Um, moving into how I raise my children, um, as a parent, it's uh, it's it's always a struggle. And my my parent, or sorry, my children, they they're part of a, a split family now. So for quite some time, over ten years, um, their mother and I have have you know gone our separate ways. So they've been to go between two households so when you have a when you're sharing or co-parenting you know there's there's certain things that other parents do that maybe the other parent won't and so you have to respect those other views and also to encourage uh, your children to make sure that they hear from you know both parents uh, so they can get those different view viewpoints and perspectives uh, for me the way i've raised my children is i've raised them to be critical thinkers and not rule followers and the reason I share that with them is because at one point, racism was legal. It was a rule. And so when we look at things in today and how society is, uh, there's thir certain things that we may question, but the way we've been raised teaches us not to ask those questions. You just follow the rules and do as you're told. And it's not the way that I was brought up. My, my grandmother uh, was never given the opportunity to speak her mind in residential school. And so it was one of the biggest things she's instilled in me, uh, raising me, 
was make sure that I speak my mind. And when I see something that's not right, I need to speak up. And so growing up through the current education system, because it hasn't changed, uh, I spent a lot of time in the office because teachers viewed me asking questions or challenging their authority in a respectful way as being disrespectful. Because the way they were raised is that I'm the teacher, I'm the authority figure, you need to listen to me. Uh, there's so much insight and there's so much learning we can do uh, from children and from youth. And being a parent, I've learned so much from my children. Um, you know, it might be uh, a good argument to see, you know, who's taught who more. They've taught me more or if I've taught them more. So I've given my kids, I give my children the opportunity to argue their points. And there's been times where their arguments have been valid and have returned my decisions and I think what I'm doing to because I have two girls two boys I think what I'm doing is is this is my perspective is that if my children can challenge the most authoritative figure in their lives then they're going to be able to speak up in any room to any person that they come across so I find it really important to raise my children as critical thinkers and not rule followers that's incredible advice and I am will be excited to see what they end up doing with their lives, having, you know, been raised in that. And I think you say the doing it in a respectful way, right? Questioning authority in a respectful way should be should be encouraged, you know, for young people making their own decisions and navigating this world. So allowing them a safe space to do that, I think, is an incredible thing. And uh being there to get them out of the office, perhaps, if they are also ending up in the same boat. Ready to conquer the season with vitality? Turn to Supplement World Canada. As the weather cools, let them help you with motivation and empower your journey to a stronger you. The knowledgeable staff supports your health journey year-round Explore their range of low-carb, sugar-free options, including protein bars and smoothies to keep you energized without compromising on taste or ingredients. Discover their carefully curated supplements to boost immunity, enhance workouts, and maintain your well-being. And they have an exclusive offer for all of you. Visit supplementworldcanada.com and enter promo code WELLNESS10 for a 10% discount on your order. What are you waiting for? Head to supplementworldcanada.com and use promo code WELLNESS10 to be thriving instead of just surviving this season. And so you must have been, you have four kids and you're 41. You must have been raising young kids through the majority of your career, obviously coming up as an athlete. So I would love to know what that experience was like because my experience with athletes and having been an athlete never to your level but is that it can be very selfish to do well and just the amount of time and traveling that it takes so what was that experience like trying to balance those priorities as a young dad yeah like it's first and foremost is i have to give uh, a lot of credit to my children's mom uh she was always there for our children and when i was away at school and practicing in class like she held it down um so the credit goes to her first and foremost uh second being a a full-time parent a full-time student full-time athlete is is a lot and when when you're in those roles it's it's difficult and being young 
also to who I was at that age isn't who I am at my age now. Um, so I'm, I'm, I guess when I look back, there was a lot of things that um, I guess I wish I would have known or would have done differently, but I'm grateful that, um, you know, we had our children and that they are who they are to this day and that they got the chance to see uh, us struggle and to see me struggle. And when I mean us, I just mean like our, our family in a financial sense, because any post-secondary student in general <laughs> understands the rite of passage of being a broke student, <laughs> let alone having a family to take care of. It was definitely a struggle. And then being a, a, an athlete was, um, was, was, yeah, it was quite the, it was quite the experience. But now looking back, I mean, there's so many things that of course it has taught me to be in, in, in who I am today. So um, I, I wouldn't change it for the world, um, but I'm grateful that uh, it, it's turned out the way it has. So glad. And I would love to know about your professional transition because you've newly started a business and I heard from your co-partner that you're six months in. Does it feel seven like- now. Oh, seven. <laughs> Happy seven. Oh yeah. November already. Happy seven months. What has that experience been like? And tell us a little bit about the business for those who don't know, because you are doing so much more than just sports. Yeah, so my business partner, Stephanie Young, and I created, we've co-founded Sokissa Wind Solutions. And Sokissa Wind Solutions is an integration strategy firm. And what we do is we help to bridge the gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous. So primarily we have um, a, a focus of working with corporate Canada in helping them strategically answer calls to reconciliation uh, with respect to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Now, a lot of organizations with the recent, you know, uncovering of the unmarked graves and residential schools coming to light, a lot of organizations want to do their part in, in taking a step forward into making things uh, just but a lot of them don't know how and they don't know where to start. So we help them um, and alongside them through that whole process in, in helping them um, take steps in forward in a good way. Uh, we also work with, uh, on the other side, we work with First Nations and we help them with bringing them industry experts for whatever their endeavors entail. And our, our goal or our mandate is to create a generational impact and so it's been quite the journey so far, but uh, very, uh, very exciting. That's amazing. Almost a mediating partner for these two worlds needing to come together. And I appreciate what you're doing because I think as non-Indigenous people, I just, I did a video about this recently on National Truth and Reconciliation Day. I was asked to talk um, on behalf of a nonprofit that I'm chair of about what it means to me. And part of what I said was very vulnerably, I'm so scared of saying the wrong thing, but I would rather accidentally say the wrong thing while I'm working to say the right thing and learn more and be okay with being corrected and you know learn as I go. And so I think that's part of what you're doing for these companies who you know wanna do something and just don't know because of the fear of doing the wrong thing holds you from doing anything, which is, one of the many reasons where, you know, still where we are. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there is, that's the, I think that's the majority 
majority of, of Canadians share that same thought is they want to do something, but they're so fearful that they'll do the wrong thing that they don't want to do anything. And it, that's not beneficial either. And I think I would encourage um, anybody who wants to take those steps. One, as long as you're, you're coming from a good place and you're doing it with good intentions, it's okay to mess up because where we gain our greatest insights are from those learning experiences where we do stumble or where we do mess up. And all it takes us is just to mess up once and we'll never make that mistake again. And in that same breath, when we are moving forward on that path and taking our own steps to be better allies, um, doing a little bit of our own research prior to speaking to something and being able to acknowledge uh, where we're at. Because I think in that communication piece, and especially when we look at truth and reconciliation, truth comes first. And I think a lot of people kind of miss that. And so, you know, for for example, if I was a non-Indigenous person and needing to speak to something, quickly telling my truth, you know, I'm not familiar on this topic or I haven't done enough work, but this is, you know, what I've heard or what I've seen and, you know, somebody said this or whatever. And then you you change those conversations and it opens up that dialogue to to have somebody maybe share. So as long as you're moving forward in a good way and you have good intentions, it's okay to mess up. Boost your outdoor adventures as the season changes with Element, the science-backed electrolyte drink that keeps you at your best year-round. As the weather cools, your hydration needs remain essential. Whether you're exploring the great outdoors, hitting the gym, or enjoying a brisk stroll in the elements, Element is your go-to hydration partner. Their scientifically crafted formula replenishes vital electrolytes lost during activity, regardless of whether it's uncomfortably hot or freezing cold outdoors. Say goodbye to sugary artificial drinks and say hello to pure balanced hydration. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, these essential minerals are in every sip, but without the sugar. Stay satisfied and on track with your wellness goals. Visit my website, kywellness.ca and click on the Element link under products to discover the power of Element for yourself. With any purchase, you'll receive a free sample pack to try and experience the revitalizing effects firsthand. Let's get salty. appreciate that is incredible advice for myself and others. And speaking to some of the work that you're doing within the Indigenous community, I'd love to know about Boys with Braids and that campaign, if you're willing to tell me a little bit about that project. Yeah, so Boys with Braids started a, a while back, I believe it was in 2013. Where it um, really came from was rooted in my own childhood experience. Um, growing up, I've always had long hair. And it was something that is a part of our culture, our traditional way of life. And I was being teased and bullied as a kid. And so fast forward to, you know, recent times where I have my own boys and they have long hair. They were coming home and telling me the same thing that I was telling, you know, my mom uh, when I was a kid. And so it struck a chord with me because I was wondering why nothing had been done. And so hearing you know, the the outpour of other parents on social media and the struggles that their children were going through and kids cutting their hair and having their hair cut. And it just, you know, created um, 
inspiration or motivation to actually just do something. And so what I created, um, and I don't want to say I created it, I am being acknowledged as the the founder, but Boys with Braids teachings and boys having braids have been here since time immemorial. What I was fortunate to do was bring together a collective of people and have this gathering where one, we encourage these young men, these young warriors to continue on their journey, on their path of growing their hair and being proud of who they are. Two, educate people with the teachings of, of why we grow our hair and the significance of it. And three, share with people that this is an issue within our school systems and in society that our kids are struggling with. And within our practices and within our teachings, we had, um, I asked uh, my father to conduct a ceremony prior to it. And so we had a pipe ceremony to launch, I guess, the, this first gathering. And with that first um, ceremony, to me, what I believe and what I've been taught and in my understanding is that we called in the spirit of, of boys. We called in the spirit of, of hair and, and boys with braids. And so it's not an organization. It's not a legal entity. It's not a foundation. Boys with braids is basically, in, in my view, is, is a spirit that anybody in any community can call upon. And when you call upon that spirit, what you're doing is you're being able to host a gathering to offer these teachings. And from territory to territory, some of the teachings differentiate. So it's not going to be the same across the board. And this work has, um, you know, it spans all of Turtle Island. So it's not just one organization or one person to do all this or to carry the load. It's for organizations and communities to call in to do the work themselves. So the opportunity to be able to speak in California, I know there's been some in New Mexico, out in uh, Ottawa, Winnipeg, we've had gatherings here. Nobody owns it. Um, it, it it's something that people can have on their own um, in terms of hosting those gatherings and to, to do just that, educate uh, general public and really encourage and inspire and motivate these these young warriors to continue on their journey. The symbolism of the freedom of that is really beautiful and I would love for you to share a little bit about the significance of the hair and braids within Indigenous men if you're open to it. Yeah so what I was taught is that our our hair is it's an extension of our of our spirit or our central nervous system and it's where we get our strength and our power from. So our hair is very sacred. It is, I was taught that our hair is like a private part. Um, so it is to be respected as such. So you wouldn't go up to somebody and touch a private part. Um, and I'm using kitty terms because I'm you know, used to speaking to kids as well as educators. Because what, what I found in the education system is that when a young boy comes up to a teacher and says, you know, my hair was pulled, you know, the only experience that they've had or majority of their experiences with hair being pulled is usually when a girl pulls another girl's hair. And so it's it's a lot, I, I can't make a comparison, but what I can say from firsthand experience is it is very, very hurtful when somebody pulls your hair as a young boy, as a young man, because it's like it's tugging on your spirit, it's tugging on your soul. So you really feel it from the inside when somebody pulls on your hair. And for a lot of us, we've already been taught not to be proud of who we are and 
And when I say taught, that's from general society and the way we've been treated in, you know, the Americas that we're second class citizens, that we don't matter, we don't belong. And for us to have our hair pulled, then to go to an educator and tell them and them to brush us off to say, oh, well, I'll talk to so-and-so later, is it's very, um, very, very damaging. And if you, what I encourage educators to do is to approach it with the same severity as a sexual assault. Because if a young person came up and told an educator that somebody touched them inappropriately, would they say, oh, I'll talk to so-and-so later? No, they wouldn't. They would deal with it a lot more in depth. And it's what we've been taught. Our hair is a sacred part of our body. It is a private part of our body. So you don't touch that just like you don't touch other private parts of your body. And so with our hair being our strength, it's it's something that we we make sure that we take very, very good care of and that we're respectful of our hair. And with our teachings, you know, when we cut our hair, there's symbolism behind that as well. When you take men and women in general, well, just stick to the like traditional, those who identify as men and those who identify as women, generally and typically what you see is men have short hair, women have long hair. But what you also generally see is when it comes to your intuition, women are generally more intuitive than men. And so what we believe is that's attributed to your hair because it's an extension of your spirit. So it becomes like an antenna in a way to heighten your senses and your awareness. So women that have a very, you naturally giftedly have for your survival, a heightened awareness of your own intuition. When you are walking late at night, there's certain things that go off. When you walk into rooms, when you get certain looks, you feel that that something's not right. And it's the same thing that I feel. When I walk into rooms, I see the same thing. When I meet with people and I'm in certain areas, I feel that same intuition. Now, I won't say the same because I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but I'm saying in terms of that um, awareness and that intuition from what I've heard women speak about, it's something that I can relate to to a certain extent. So our hair is a very sacred and powerful part of us because it's our spirit coming into a physical form. So when we lay our spirit to rest, we have to make sure that we take care of our hair in a very specific way and that it's not just being thrown in the trash because you wouldn't do that to anything else that's living. You take good care of it. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. This is this is why I love the podcast. It gives me the opportunity to learn and you know to ask questions. And thank you for allowing me to ask questions. I would love to know if there's anything specific you can pinpoint that you would like to see happening or is happening, maybe that you're involved with or seeing, um, you know, adjacent to you in the community right now, specifically within Saskatoon and area in terms of truth and reconciliation in what's happening in education, what you feel should be or is needing to be focused on within our community to continue to bridge this gap alongside the work that you're already doing. I think that the biggest or the most impactful thing that happened, which is a large undertaking, is allowing, working with and finding a way to incorporate our traditional way of life, practices and worldview into modern day society. And what I mean by that is 
we have a very simple, simple um, teaching. And it's almost like a, a creed you live by. And it's you, you be kind to one another, you be respectful, love one another, and try to live a good life. And it's just very simple teachings. And so if you think about incorporating that into everywhere we go, um, you know, I think we could really make as cheesy as this sounds, really make the world a better place. When we're thinking of others before ourselves to a certain extent, then we would never have to worry about ourselves because everybody would already be thinking and taking care of us and we would be doing the same. So when you mentioned education, I think of, I was just having a conversation about our current education system. A lot of people know that the things have evolved since they've been created. Um, one of the things that haven't hasn't evolved is our education system. Uh, a lot of people know that it was created uh, for the industrial revolution and that it hasn't changed. We are teaching our kids to be factory workers. You show up at a certain time, you take a break, get back to work, have your lunch, go back to work and clock out. And that's that. When you look at a lot of the studies that are out there in the way things that are being done, there is such a better way of doing things that could be more impactful for our people. And when I say our people, I mean humanity and other countries are doing it. But when you look at the studies about um, outdoor learning, being in nature, when you look at the negative studies of sitting is the new smoking, when you look at the benefits of being physically active, our kids are only getting class time, or I should say gym time, half hour, 40 minutes every two days. You know, so we know these certain things. And I, I make the analogy where it's as simple as we know we press the light switch and the lights come on. It's as simple as that. And we have the data and the research that if we implement this, this will be what happens, which is very beneficial. So there's a lot of things in the health world that have been monetized that have been our way of life and our practices since time immemorial. Modern science and research has just recently caught up to being able to um, corroborate that what we've been doing is actually very beneficial for your well-being. Uh, but it's something with our, our ceremonies and having that relationship with the spirit world and with our creator has been able to been um, that has been communicated to us since time immemorial, which is why we've always practiced that way of life. So I was kind of all over the place, but really in being able to incorporate, um, you know, some of those traditional ways and practices into the modern day, I think could be very beneficial for um, society. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, to come back to just another component that you mentioned off the top as well, the ADHD and what kids are dealing with mentally and emotionally right now. I mean, kids are not designed to be in a desk all day. So, you know, flipping those time commitments on their head, maybe where we're doing more of the time being active and less of the time being desk bound. I don't think it's a coincidence from a mental and emotional perspective that kids are struggling now more than ever, uh, you know, with ADHD. And, you know, there's many facets to this where, yes, there's more diagnoses and things like this, but generally speaking, you know, we're less active, we're more screen bound, we're asking a lot of kids that, you know, we're designed to move. What do you think about 
a place for non-Indigenous people to honor those traditions in some sense? Do you see a world where there's a place where we come together and do that? Or how do we as non-Indigenous people, not that it's your responsibility to tell me this, but, you know, be supportive or partake. I know there's a lot of people curious and wanting to experience those parts, you know, but without crossing that line, like acknowledging that there's potentially a line there to be supportive or be an ally or be involved in some way. What do you think the approach to that is? And for youth as well, because I think that is, if we can teach youth about it, right, and understanding these things, they can be better allies. I think the biggest thing would be to participate, participate in ceremony, go to cultural events and, you know, observe, learn as much as you can without asking first. And then when you can't figure it out or stump yourself, feel free to ask somebody, ask if you can ask a question. Do you mind if I ask you what this is? And you'll find that a lot of people are very receptive to helping our non-Indigenous relatives better understand our way of life. Because when you understand our way of life and our culture, which is, you know, was the first of of these lands that we walk on, that we call home, you know, it gives you a better understanding and appreciation of all of the, the gifts and the benefits that you have because of, well, treaty but uh, because of the stewards stewardship of our ancestors. And so when we can acknowledge that and be able to recognize, you know, oh, this is actually a practice that has been happening here for some time, um, it allows you, as you mentioned, to be a better ally. And so how you can practice some of those certain things is once you've been to cultural events or to ceremony, you might find ways to incorporate those into your daily life. Um, Again, this is a thing that research has now caught up to is um, the benefits of gratitude being grateful but it's something that is 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 the foundation of our teachings within our spirituality is that we need to make sure that when we wake up or when we're in those moments of of prayer the first things that are coming out is is giving thanks thanking the great thanking for all of these certain things so again it's a practice that's always been here but now the health world and research and studies now show, oh, it's actually beneficial for you to do that. So even recognizing that some of the things that you're doing and partaking in is uh, is a First Nations worldview. So those are some things just kind of, you know, off, off top of, of mind that, that could be done. And when you're, for me, I think the biggest thing is just being able to experience it for yourself, going to certain things. Um, Quick story, I took Native Studies in high school. I didn't take history, didn't know anything about history. And when I actually traveled to Europe, downloaded everything in a firsthand experience in, you know, the trip that I went on. So it's much more impactful when you get to learn firsthand. Amazing. Thank you. And I want to make sure you get out of here on time because you're going to cheer on your daughter at her sporting event. So before you go, I have a few quick light rapid fire questions for you so i'd love to know if you have one who would you consider your biggest role model my grandparents who raised me would be the probably biggest role models residential school survivors finding their culture going through their own struggles to be able to make the impact they've made in in this world was inspired me and shaped who i am today the best advice you've ever received? 
there's so much out there. Uh, I, um, oh, that's a tough one. One of the things I would say, oh, um, believing in yourself as cheesy as that is, um, it's, it falls along the lines of manifest manifestation manifesting. Um, if you see it, um, it can become a reality. So visualization, um, and working towards that. So, um, if you don't work towards your goals, nobody's going to work towards them for you. Brilliant. Best book or resource you'd recommend to people. With respect to ADHD, um, which is something that I've been heavily on is, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, Scattered Minds. One of the cool finds in that is that we all have the material to be ADHD. It's just how they're turned on and how they're turned on is through trauma. So a lot of First Nations people, the intergenerational trauma that we have been brought up through is turning on those ADHD switches. Mm-hmm. Did you have the opportunity to hear him speak when he was in Saskatoon? Oh, I was here, so I missed it. And I'm heartbroken because he's brilliant. I haven't read that, but I'm working through the myth of normal and talks about many of those concepts as well. Uh, personal mantra or words you live by? I think what I've shared earlier, but I mean, gratitude, um, respectful, love one another, be kind and uh, do your best to live a good life. It's hard to argue with that. And last but not least, for people who want to follow you personally and professionally and see what's coming next for you, where can they do that? I think where I'm most active is probably on Instagram. It's just my name, Michael underscore Linklater. I do have a little bit of TikTok, but I'm not the TikToker person uh, yet. (laughs) Just need to carve out more time to be more of a social presence. And I, um, yeah working through that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing with me. I can't wait to see what's next. And I hope I talk to you again soon and run into you once I'm back in Saskatoon. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. That's all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for being here with Michael and I. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode every Sunday. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at KY Wellness. More details about all episodes can be found at kywellness.ca under the podcast tab. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.